We're in chapter 19 now. We're going to look at verse 30 through chapter 10, verse 21. And again, he's going to continue on in his discussion here about God's sovereign choice and about Israel. Remember, everything has to do with about Israel. Do you understand? When it comes to the Bible, it has to do with, with, with the issue of Israel. You know, we were talking about the issue of the end times. Do you understand the Bible is never going to talk about America? You need to get that in your mind. Why? Because the perspective of prophecy in the Old and New Testament is concerning the Mediterranean world. Do you understand? Concerning the Mediterranean world. And their focus is on the Middle East, Egypt, and Greece, Rome. That, do you understand what I'm saying? That's where their focus of prophetic things are happening. When you look at the readers. And let's just remind ourselves, when did, they, when did Christopher Columbus discover America? Well, he actually discovered the Dominican Republic, but when did he discover it? Fourteen. Okay, wow, long time later, right? So nobody even was thinking about this place till later. Do you understand? Deep into the Middle Ages. Now, so let's talk about the stumbling. Israel stumbled. Let's look at verse thirty through thirty-three of chapter nine. What shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained the righteousness, even the righteousness of faith. But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, has not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith. But as it were, by the works of the law. For they stumbled... At that stumbling stone, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. All right, so let's talk about Israel's stumbling. First of all, he's going to answer a question. He's anticipating another question here. He's anticipating a question concerning Gentiles attaining faith. So the question he's hearing from his readers is, well, how is this possible that the Gentiles are obtaining righteousness by faith, but the Jews are, are, quote, they're attaining it by what they do. So here's how he responds. Paul's Jewish readers would have pointed out that the Gentiles did not pursue righteousness. So he's saying, his readers are like, you know, this isn't fair. The Jews were trying to find righteousness, and here's these Gentiles, they don't even care less. And you're giving them the chance for righteousness and they embrace it and now they have it? That, that just doesn't seem fair. Do you know what I'm saying? We're doing all this stuff and now you're giving it to somebody else who's not even seeking after it. Who doesn't even care? It's a pretty good argument, isn't it? Okay? They were concerned because Israel pursued righteousness but did not attain it. See, this is why they're saying it's not fair, is that we're going after we're doing all this stuff we can't find it but you're giving it to these guys who are not even looking for it this doesn't make any sense this doesn't even make any sense so Paul explains that Israel did not attain it because they did not seek it by faith now here's the issue and it has relevance to you and I today 
the issue is this. Yes, they were seeking it, but the problem was how they were seeking it. They were seeking righteousness. They were seeking acceptance with God. They were seeking those promises and stuff, but the problem is how they were seeking it. They were seeking it by what they were doing rather than by putting their faith and trust in God to give it to them. Do you understand? There's a difference there. Now, here's the thing. As I was reading that passage, big thing popped into my brain. Yeah, isn't that what we do a lot in church? Rather than by faith accepting what Jesus has done for us, the salvation that he's given us that has nothing to do with us, rather than by faith accepting that he loves us and shows perfect love to us, that he wants what's best for us, do you understand that he takes even the bad things in our life and uses them ultimately for our good to become like Jesus? Rather than by accepting that all by faith, we still try to strive for it by what? Our actions, our works. We even pray like that. Well, God, you know, I did all this stuff. That doesn't, that doesn't hold any water. He's not even looking at you based on that. See, this is where the Jews were. The Jews were trying to gain it by the stuff that they were doing. He explains that Israel did not attain it because they did not seek it by faith. Listen, you need to, in your life, recognize that if you want to get somewhere spiritually, it's not by your effort, it's by your faith. You may want to write that down. If you want to get somewhere spiritually in your life, it's not by your effort, it's by your faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not by your effort, it's by your faith. Israel was trying to attain righteousness by their actions. And they couldn't do it. That's the point he's making here. In fact, isn't that the testimony of Peter? Peter says, you know, at the, at the Jerusalem Council, I think it's Acts 15, he says, why are we trying to impose on, on the Gentiles... What we ourselves could not do. We tried to keep the law and we still couldn't do it. Do you understand what I'm saying? It was just failure. Alright, let's go on. Rather, Israel sought righteousness through the law, works of the law. You know what? It, the scripture is given to us not just to tell us about God, but also to give us insight into how we need to live our lives now. And so when you read this passage and you read what he's saying about Israel and about how they were trying to attain righteousness by the works of the law, that should communicate something to you. Because he's saying they didn't attain it. It's a no-win situation. So Israel, here's, you know, the struggle that they had is Israel's struggling here because they're trying to attain righteousness through the laws, works of the law. They can't do it. The works of the law are not to show you how to find salvation. They're to expose your need for it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, so here's what happens. Israel stumbled at the stumbling block, Jesus Christ. They, they didn't know how to handle his grace. Because he didn't come and reinforce all their rules and regulations. So they killed him. Look with me now, Paul's response. 
there's a scriptural support here. Verse 33, he says, Isaiah states that God laid a stumbling block that provides salvation to those who believe. Who's that? Jesus. The very thing that they get tripped up on, we Gentiles are like, yay! Because the Gentiles had their own religious forms that they were trying to attain. Acceptance with whatever concept of God. Do you understand? So, look now, he's got a desire for Israel. Look with me at verses 1 to 4 of chapter 10. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Okay, here's his desire. Number one, Paul's desire and prayer is that Israel would be saved. That's his desire and prayer. Is that Israel would be saved. Verse 2, he says, here's their, here's their condition now. Paul states that Israel has been zealous for God, which is not based on knowledge. Oh, they got a lot of zeal for God. Have you, have you watched the news and seen them at the Wailing Wall? How they're praying there at the Wailing Wall with their prayer shawls. And they're sticking the prayers in the wall at the Western Wall there. I mean, they got a lot of zeal for God. But Paul says it's because... They have a lot of zeal, but they don't have any knowledge of true righteousness. They don't have any knowledge of the true God. So here's their ignorance. He points out that Israel ignorantly sought righteousness through their efforts. Israel ignorantly is seeking righteousness through their efforts. Hey, that's just a human condition, isn't it? We've been taught from little ones, if you're going to achieve anything in life, you've got to do it, right? That's the American dream, right? You want to make things better for yourself? You've got to do it. So that's a human condition. It's not just the American dream. That's just a human condition. They think the only way to attain God is by their efforts. That's what Paul's saying. They're ignorantly doing it. And here's what they're doing. In doing this, they did not submit to God's righteousness. What do you mean? All that effort... They weren't submitting to God's righteousness. You, know, it, you hear people say, oh, it's, just, it's not, it's, it's, it's whether or not they're sincere. You can be sincerely wrong. Because you cannot impress God through your efforts. The Jews cannot impress God by keeping the law perfectly. You can only impress God by your what? Faith. Faith in Him because you recognize there's nothing you can do on your own. Do you understand? You're thrusting yourself on the faith of God because you recognize there's, you have no means to attain it yourself. Do you understand? This is the issue. The issue is faith here. So in the end, they did not submit to God's righteousness. So here's what he says. Jesus Christ is the end of seeking righteousness through the law to those who believe. You know, Jesus Christ is the answer to you and I. Jesus Christ is the end of us trying to find favor with God 
trying to find our righteousness with God by our own efforts. When I have faith in Jesus, that's it! It's not my stuff that I'm trying to do. So that's his desire here. Look now. And we're going to look at verses 5 through 15. And talk about righteousness for those who believe. So this is for you and I as well. It's righteousness for those who believe. Let's look at chapter 10. Look at verse 5. And here's what, he's, here's what Paul writes. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Hey, just just make a mark in your Bible with a star. That's the gospel. Okay? That's the gospel right there. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scriptures say, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they do not believe? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall... They preach unless they are sent, as it is written. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who brings glad, who bring glad tidings of good things. Okay, let's take a look here. First of all, Moses' perspective. Okay, Moses recorded that those who keep the law must live by the entire law. Did you understand that? Those who keep the law must live by the entire life. So listen, when you hear people say things, you don't hear it as much anymore. You used to years ago. People don't care anymore. But you used to say, what are you living by? People would say, I'm living by the Ten Commandments. Do you realize when you adopt that mentality, I'm going to live by the Ten Commandments, you've got to live by all of them. And, and, and Scripture very clearly tells us in the New Testament, several different places, you break one part of the law, you break the whole law. And do you remember the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and said, hey, I've kept it from my life, what am I to do to gain eternal life? And Jesus said, well, you're lacking in one area. Sell everything you got and uh, follow me. And the guy went away sad because he had many things. What was his problem? Thou shalt not covet. Did you understand? Thou shalt not covet. So the reality, Moses is, Paul's bringing up Moses here to tell his readers, listen, 
Don't think it's by what you do, because if you're in that mindset of thinking it's by what you do, then you've got to do everything. So how are you doing this week? Are you doing everything? Are you? I'm not. It's not like I'm intentionally, oh, how can I mess up today? Did you understand when nobody gets up and says, how can I do wrong today? There might be a few people who act like that, but they're not that many. Most of us, it's just, it comes. We've sinned ignorantly. A lot of us do. Do you understand? Faith does not ask for Christ to come since he's already come. This is the key thing you're going to have to understand. Moses, Paul's saying here, look, you don't ask for your salvation after you've come to Christ. You don't, you don't ask for God to do things after you come to Christ. The reality is that faith believes in Him. And then you trust Him to do it. So we've got that reverse. We, we think we've got to do all these mental gymnastics to get God to do stuff. You know, so I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. Right now, for me, I'm, I'm thinking about something that I'd like to see God do. Well, the other day I was in the shower and I was praying about it and the conclusion came to me, wait a minute, what? Who are you believing in? If God wants it to happen, it's gonna happen. And if He doesn't want it to happen, it's for the better. So just trust Him. You bring the issue up, but you say, Lord, I'm trusting you to do it. You know, I'm trusting you to do it. Faith doesn't, does not ask for Christ to come since He's already come. The word of faith that He preaches, Paul is saying, is near to them. The word of faith, now let me just stop for a moment. This is Bible language word of faith. I'm not talking about what prosperity theologians say. Because some of you maybe are from that background and you've heard that word of faith, okay? That's not what Paul's talking about here. What he's talking about is the gospel. He's talking about the message of salvation and putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. Do you understand? For salvation and for your life. Do you understand? Faith is not just for your salvation. Faith is for your everyday life. Believing Him for what He has promised you and the hope that He's given you. Do you understand? And He's saying to them, the word of faith that He preaches, the Apostle preaches, is near to them. Hey, it's near to you. Recognize that. It's near to you. Alright? So... Salvation is available to those who believe in their hearts and confess with their mouths. That's where it starts. Salvation is is available to those who believe in their hearts and they make confession with their mouth. That's what Paul's talking about here. All right, let me just stop. When do you get saved? When do you get saved? Is it the moment you were sitting in a pew... And you knew that you needed to give your life to Jesus Christ and you were going to give it to him? Or the moment you got up and walked up? When when was it? The moment you believed. That's in the pew. The moment you believed. Walking forward doesn't save you. It's your belief and faith in Jesus Christ that saves you. Do you understand? It's not baptized. You know, we baptized... 
a couple here just a couple of weeks ago. It's not that that saves you. Do you understand? It's faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's believing that he is God, that Jesus Christ raised him from the dead, and that salvation—that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, and that salvation is for you. So here's the thing. With the heart, righteousness comes to the one who believes as confession brings salvation. Here's the thing. Here's what, here's what Paul's saying. You are given righteousness. You are imputed righteousness. Jesus' righteousness. When you believe and when you make confession, what is confession? Confession isn't necessarily just sitting there listing all of your wrong deeds. Confession, primarily what he's talking about here, is coming to the place of saying to God, God, I am messed up. I need you. I can't bring salvation to my own life. I can't do anything for it. I'm just trusting you to accept me because Jesus did it all for me. That's what confession is. Do you you understand what I'm saying? That's what it means here. So righteousness, does everybody understand, we should have already talked about this as we've gone through, through, through Romans, God gives you righteousness. The righteousness that you have is not your own righteousness. Aren't you glad for that? When he sees you, here's what some of you have got to understand. When, when God sees you, he doesn't see you in light of your stuff. You get up in the mirror and you look in the mirror and you're like, oh, there it is. Yeah, I remember that. And I remember that. And, and you think God looks at you that day. God doesn't look at you that way. God looks at you and sees Christ's righteousness. You're covered. Isn't that awesome? I mean, that's awesome. That's what he's getting to here. For you and I who believe. Isaiah states that those who believe will not be put to shame at the judgment. How many of you ever, thank goodness family reunion season's over, isn't it? Okay. Now we've been to a reunion. And uh, it's probably been 20 or 30 years, but somebody there remembers something stupid that you did as if it was yesterday and brings it up. And the shame of it is just as real as it was 20 or 30 years ago. And it's like, why do I even come here? Why do I even come here to, to be reminded? I mean, I don't live with this, and I'm going to live with it for the next month thinking about it, brooding over it. You know what I'm talking about? Because that's what family does, right? Hey, you don't have to worry about that when you go to be with Jesus. I think it's interesting. If you go to Revelation, okay, you can test me out on this, all right? You go to Revelation chapter 20, and if you go to Revelation, yes, chapter 20, okay? If you go to Revelation chapter 20, at the beginning of the millennium, there's a judgment. It is when rewards are given to the saints. It's the first resurrection. Who participates in the first resurrection, anybody? No? That's believers. They are, they are given rewards and so forth. At the end of chapter 20 is the great white throne judgment. That's the second judgment. 
Now, there's a distinction. When you look at the first one, you look at the second one, I'm going to tell you that there's something that just occurred to me that is very interesting, and you'll see it if you look at it there. It is in the second one that the books are open and they are judged according to their deeds. That's all of humanity. Guess who's not included in that judgment? Believers. Is that not awesome? Look at it yourself. It's in chapter 20. I don't know if I believe you, George. Read chapter 20. Read chapter 20. Now, do you understand what Isaiah is saying? Isn't, isn't, don't we have a wonderful Savior? Isaiah says that those who believe will not be put to shame at the judgment. Here's the other one. God richly brings salvation to both Jews and Gentiles who call upon his name. God richly brings salvation to Jews and Gentiles who call upon his name. Here, you, can, you can bank on that. The salvation that's given to you is the same salvation that's given to everybody. He's not withholding anything from anyone. Do you understand me? The promises and the blessings that are there in salvation are for you just like they are for anybody else. Do you understand what I'm saying? Just because of, you know, there are no exceptions. When you look in your Bible, there are no asterisks with a footnote that says for everybody else but you. Do you understand what I'm saying? So then he goes on here and he says, those who do not believe need a preacher who will bring them the message of salvation. Now let me just stop. I don't want you to get hung up on that term preacher. Because we immediately think that means somebody like George. Okay, That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about a proclaimer. They need someone. How will they hear unless somebody proclaims? Proclaimer. Who's a proclaimer? You. You. I want to hear unless you talk to them. I mean, and think about that practically. I mean, think about, I want everybody here to think about how many people you come in contact with this week. Okay? This last week. How many people have you come in contact with this last week? And as you think about it, maybe it's at work or, or maybe it's through family or whatever. I, I want you to think about it. How many times have I come in contact with those same people this week? Anybody? Probably not. Okay? So if it's me they need, we're in trouble, aren't we? It's you they need. So here's the thing. Look with me now. He's going to talk about Israel's accountability. Look with me at verse 16 through 21. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, The Lord has believed, the Lord who has believed our report. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I say, did Israel not know? First Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. But Isaiah is very bold and says, I found 
by those who do not seek me. I was found by those who do not seek me. I was made manifest to those who do not ask for me. But Israel, but to Israel, he says, all day long I've stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrite people. Okay, let's look here. A couple things here. Number one, Israel's rejection. Israel has not believed the gospel as, as Isaiah has confirmed. Hey, it's there. You cannot say that people don't hear. People hear the gospel. They, they interact with people every day of their lives. Did you understand what I'm saying? You cannot say that. So, so when people stand before, nobody's going to say, oh, well, I never knew. Really? You never knew? Okay. Here, here's the other thing. Faith. Faith emerges as it hears the word of God. That's where faith comes. You want to strengthen your faith, read the word of God. Period. That's what he's talking about here. Faith emerges from the word of God. Okay? And then notice now the culpability of Israel. Paul confirms that Israel has heard the gospel which is proclaimed everywhere. Here's the other thing. Scripture's testimony. Paul shows that Old Testament scripture testifies that salvation would come to Gentiles. Aren't you glad for that? Okay? Next week, we're going to look at God's mercy. We're going to take God's mercy and take a couple of weeks to discuss that in chapter 11. Okay?